this. One, two. All right. God bless y'all. I've got. Well, I'm thankful to be here again. And Irvin and I, we're, we travel all the time. I've been in churches all over this nation. We do one of these almost every weekend. And so um, there's a lot of people interested in Bible prophecy. And so I know that's why you're here today. What I'm going to do, I've got somebody we're going to baptize today who's been going through Jerusalem Prophecy College. So I'm going to be, yeah, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And I'm going to be very cognizant of the time today. And I'm going to make sure I don't run over. Because I know everybody's got things in the oven and all that good stuff. And so um, I'll make sure, I'll try to be done by a quarter after 12. And then we'll do a Q&A segment for about 15, 20 minutes. And then... Uh, I'll baptize Jordan today, very important. So I'll give you all I can. I'll try to get done by a quarter after, but if not, uh, I'll stop it and um, we'll go into the Q&A because I want to be very, um, you know, respectful of your time today. And also I want to say that I'm thankful for uh, Pastor and his wife, Shelly Kuhn, uh, for having us here. And uh, we've known them for years. They, this is the second year I've been here, and uh, we sh I'm very thankful for them. I want to give them a hand clap of thankfulness uh, today because um, I was talking to somebody earlier, and I know a lot of pastors that I've talked to over the years that said, I will not touch the book of Revelation. I don't know anything about it. I won't touch that. And so, And it's probably a good thing because if you don't know what you're doing in it, you can botch it totally up. And I've known so many people that just said, I don't touch it. Probably a good thing. Well, that's when Irvin Baxter and myself and some others, uh, we kind of, like we were talking this morning, we kind of fill a gap. Uh, the book of Daniel, the book, well, I've talked to a lot of people um, that have said, hey, well, I, I ask them, what's the book of Daniel about? And they're like, well, Daniel and the lion's den, the three Hebrew children. I'm like, no. Almost the entire uh, book of Daniel is prophecy. Most of the chapters in there are devoted to prophecy. And so we teach a, a Daniel commentary verse by verse, and then the book of Revelation is not all prophecy. Did you know that? The, book, the prophetic segment of the book of Revelation doesn't start till Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. The first three chapters are things that John, uh, the chapter 1 is a vision that John had seen in the past, things that he had seen, and then chapters 2 and 3 were written to seven churches on the earth 2,000 years ago. Then the angel in Revelation 4.1 says, Come up hither and I will show you things that will be hereafter. But a lot of people don't understand the segmentation of the book of Revelation, a lot of different things, so they just leave it alone. And it's probably the best thing. But I said all that to say this. Brother Kuhn um, understands the importance of you guys, this area, knowing uh, Bible prophecy in the end times. I would hate, what a travesty it would be to go through the times just ahead of us and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth. To go through the times just ahead of us and not knowing what's coming in Bible prophecy, there's a world religious system going to be set up. You don't want to be a part of that. There is, and many churches are being drugged into that. Hook, line, and sinker. They're just falling. Tell us what, you know, we're going to follow after this. Major denominations in America are being pulled into that. The world government system. You don't want to ever pledge allegiance to something like that. If you don't know anything about that, 
You were never taught about that in high school or college. So if you don't know anything about that, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, back in, early on, he remembers in one of his classes he had a book that says, hey, the United Nations is the last great humanitarian organization, uh, the last great hope for mankind. The United Nations? Well, he thought, hey, it's a good thing, right? No, it's a very bad thing. And um, one of the things I want to announce uh, in saying that, so I, that's why I do want to thank the Coons for having us here. They recognize how important that is. But if you've got an envelope, this is of utmost importance. You've got one of these envelopes. Grab it, hold it up. I've got an envelope. Okay. So on the inside, I'm going to collect these envelopes here in just a little bit. And if you were here last night, you understand what's going on. But there are several things on the inside of the envelope I want you to fill out. And you can do it over the course. I won't do this till the end today. But in there, if you want to become a partner with End Time Ministries, you can do that on the top. A monthly partner. Some people do it five bucks a month. We have some people that are $1,000 a month partners. So everybody in between, God knows what you can do, what you can't do, and he'll bless you, I promise you. If you've also, if you'd like to subscribe to End Time Magazine, End Time Magazine is the, the largest um, widely read prophecy magazine in the world. We've been doing it since 91. We've never had to offer one retraction ever because we document and then redocument and then redocument everything. And so... Uh, it goes to President Trump, it goes to uh, all of the Congress, all, every governor, all of the movers and shakers, Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, uh, Ben Shapiro, Sean Hannity, all everybody who you would watch on the news all the time, they're all subscribed to End Time Magazine. So if you would like to subscribe to End Time Magazine, uh, we, that is not a politically correct magazine by no stretch. And... We're not called to be politically correct. I'm called to be biblically correct. That's the only important thing here. What does the Bible say? I'm teaching on that. If it talks about the shedding of innocent blood, I'll talk about abortion on the radio. If it talks about LGBT lifestyles, I mean, whatever. We talk about all of that. And I've, like I said, told last night, we've had our radio program shut off. I've had our YouTube stuff all shut down, Facebook blocked. I mean, we've been through all that stuff. Because there are people that don't want you to know about that. So, that brings me to the most important part of this envelope. Down here in the bottom left-hand corner, it says, I want to enroll in an end-time Bible study. Pastor Kuhn, he did it last year. It was a great success. Starting March 12th, not a couple, two or three nights from now on a Tuesday, but next Tuesday, March the 12th, he's going to be starting this Bible study here. It's something that we designed. He'll take you through it, and it's a series of DVDs. There's no way in last night and today that I can take you through everything you need to know for the end time. There's, it's, it would be impossible. He's going to take you through that. And if you don't understand about the world government, the world religion, you say, well, is my church in all, wrapped up in all of this? Chances are, it, the, according to the Bible, it's going to be before it's all over with. You don't want to be a part of that. So there is a true church on earth that will not be a part of that. That's something you're going to want to know about. Uh, the mark of the beast. I mean, all the different things. The, the Holy Roman Empire... Uh, reborn. You've got to know about all this. He's going to teach you about all this in these Bible studies. You say, well, that's going to take one night out of my week. So what? You're going to, you're, you're going to get an education that you've never got up to this point. It's very, very critical. You don't want to go through the times just ahead unless you know about this. So check the box. I will enroll in an end-time Bible study. It'll be here at the church starting March 12th, every Tuesday, 730. It's not for the rest of your life. It's just there's several weeks he's going to be meeting, 
And I promise you, it will enrich your life. It will help you clear the fog because what you're being fed on your nightly news, CBS, NBC, this, that, and the other, is propaganda. Those people are all owned by a certain clique, and they want a certain message to get to you. So if you're just following CNN and this, that, and the other, even Fox News. Fox News can lean uh, conservative, but not always. You've got to watch what they're saying because the elite are good at putting a conservative spin and a liberal spin, but they're still heading you in the same direction. You've got to be careful what you listen to. So we want you to know what's going on, and these Bible studies will help walk you through that. So uh, name, address, phone number, um, because there is a certain time I was telling everybody last night. I remember, I know some of you all weren't here, so I'll tell you as well. We are in contact with an individual who has a way to shoot an email out to every email on the planet. I can't give his name. He has, an, he has a way to do that. There will be times in the future, I think we can do it twice, there will be times when we will do that. If I do not have your content information, I can't do it. When the final seven years starts, we're going to do that, which is very soon. You'll see here in just a moment. And then probably, I believe it's when the abomination of desolation occurs and we've only got three and a half years left, we're going to do it again. Well, you guys need to know about that. Some of you are not in constant contact with end time. I will be able to shoot you an email or I think Harrison said a text. I'll probably shoot Harrison a text personally. But... Um, you, so I need your information. If I don't have your information, you say, well, you guys are just going to sell this to Amazon or something. No, I'm not. You're not going to start getting emails from all these people. We do not, we've never sold one of these ever. We, ne- we will not do that. That's not what we're all about. This is all about us getting you information you need to know um, and brainwashing you. That's what I'm trying to do here today. I'm washing your brain of all the junk that you've been fed your whole life. So I'm brainwashing you. I'm washing your brain, Okay. And so it's very, very important because here's the deal, and this is very important, and so I'll be collecting these here in a little bit. This is very important um, because there are a lot of churches being pulled into things they shouldn't be pulled into. If you follow the news lately about all the LGBT stuff and the Methodist church and everything they've been voting on, if you followed any of that, there are churches that are voting on stuff that are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. Now, again, this is not politically correct, so... but. They're voting on things that are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. They're, the Bible says uh, the Apostle Paul prophesied and, had, and said, Hey, when we go off the scene, me, the other apostles, and, and the early church, grievous wolves will come in among you to steal this truth away. Even those in the church will do it. And we have saw that happen. We went off into the dark ages. We're coming back into the age of enlightenment. But some people have put a twist on the truth. And Jesus warned In the Olivet Discourse, they said, Lord, tell us, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus, the first words out of his mouth were, talking to us, not them, us, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name and deceive many. There are many people that are going to look religious and have church over the door and have 10,000 people sitting there, but they're going to be leading people astray in the end time. I I could give you names, instances, examples the rest of today. So you've got to know the truth. I can tell you, and I, and I want to tell you standing here, I've known the Coons, for, brother, brother and sister Coon for years. I've known her mom and dad, his mom and dad for years. This church in this area, now I don't know all the churches, but I know this church here teaches the truth. At the end of the day, you've got to be a truth seeker. I know that's why you're here, but you've got to go to a church that teaches the truth. Just because it says church out on the front lawn does not mean it's teaching the truth. 
It's very critical that you understand that. They might have their version of the truth, but I've talked to many pastors. I've talked to pretty much all walks of life over the years, dealt with thousands of people, and there are people that are sharing their version, a traditional version of the truth, but it doesn't line up with the Word of God. And I've asked them that, and I've had pastors say, I didn't know that. I've never heard it taught like that before. And I'm like, you've got to know the truth. So if you're going to be saved, if you want to make it, that's the only thing that matters. I go to be with Him for eternity. This church here teaches the truth. And it, if you want to be saved, I don't know which church you're going to, what you do, but I'm giving a plug for this church because I know these guys teach the truth. There may be five other churches here that teach the truth. I don't know. But I know this church does, and so I would be very comfortable coming here myself if I didn't live in Dallas. be kind of a pretty good drive on Sunday morning to get over here. But at the end of the day, I know this church teaches the truth, and so I want to recommend these guys if you don't have a place to go. This is a very good church, and so I wanted to recommend that. And you'll find that out as we go through the Bible studies. You'll find out all of what I'm talking about in great detail. So let's, get t- let's take off in today's lesson, um, and then, like I said, we'll stop about a quarter after, and we'll go into a Q&A. And if you have, you, here's another thing real quick, talking to what Brother Coon said. You got a lesson, you're trying to stump me. I can't be stumped because if I don't know the answer, I'll just say I don't know. So you're not going to stump me. I'm not too proud to give you some, I'm not going to fabricate an answer to try to look smart and all that. I'll just say, you know what, I don't know. I can research it and find the answer possibly if it can be found, but I've never been stumped because I'll just say I simply don't know. And so I don't claim to know everything, but I will teach you what we do know. So that's the most important thing. And I can tell you what, it'll be the truth. It's not my version of the truth. I can back up everything we say by the Bible. The Bible's the truth. That's the end all. It's not some book somebody wrote in the 1600s and, or the 1400s and let's go back there and figure everything out. No, we go back to the Bible because I can prove the validity of that book in many ways. Prophecy is one of the big ways that we do that. So it's very important that everything goes back to the Bible. Okay, let's get started. So breaking prophetic fulfillments. These back up just a moment here. Just one. Okay, there you go. So that's, there's my first one. The next one will jump, okay? <laughs> um, so these are very influential men. You would see them in the news every day, and they're movers and shakers in the end time. Pope Francis, Donald Trump, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, Bashar al-Assad of Syria. Have you heard about Syria in the news lately and the conflict going on over there? That civil war has been going on forever, it seems like. And then Vladimir Putin of Russia, very influential individuals. All of these gentlemen are having a huge impact on end-time prophecy in the end time right now. And if I have time, I'll hit every one of them uh, as we go through there. Maybe not Bashar al-Assad. I don't think I'll talk about the Sixth Trumpet War today. But I wanted you to be familiar with them faces because they're in every newspaper every day, all five of those guys. And so you need to be familiar with them going off into the end time. Okay. So the final seven years will be triggered by an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. What are you talking about? Well, Daniel 9.27 prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant or sign a peace agreement with it, between Israel and the Palestinians. And that event, according to Scripture, will be the event that launches us into the final seven years before the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, so... This is what we're looking for in the near future. When this event happens, one of those emails that I talked about will be sent out. 
because we've all talked about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we all know it's coming, but who knows? I mean, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour, right? Well, you realize that that scripture has been misquoted many times. Jesus said no man knoweth the day or the hour. So 2,000 years ago, they couldn't know. Knoweth, K-N-O-W-E-T-H, is the present tense form of know. So in Jesus' Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter 24, he said, no man knoweth. Currently, we don't know. It's what he's telling them. No man knoweth the day or the hour. But Daniel, the book of Daniel, uh, is almost all prophecy. In the end, chapter 12, Daniel asked the Lord, what's all these visions and dreams you've given me? And the Lord said, no, go rest with your brothers. This book is sealed up until the time of the end. None of the apostles understood the book of Daniel and those prophecies. But guess who can? And guess who does now? We do. We're the people of the time of the end. All the nations that he prophesied about, the events he prophesied about, the Antichrist, the nations weren't even here at the time of Daniel. It was 2,500 years ago. Now all of those nations are on the earth, and the Bible says they will be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So we can't know and understand this. Well, in Daniel 9... 27, they, the, none of the apostles understood about the final seven-year prophecy. But we understand there's a peace agreement, and I, I'm not going to take time to prove it all. The, the Bible studies you'll go through will prove it all in great detail. But there's going to be a peace deal signed. Now, you know and I know that many admin, United States administrations, presidential administrations, have tried to sign peace agreements with the Israelis and the Palestinians. But what Donald Trump, Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, and all of them are doing is unprecedented. All the other previous administrations have tried to hogtie the Palestinians, hogtie the Israelis, and bring them to the negotiating table and say, you guys will sign a peace agreement. And they've both said, no, we won't. So none of the previous administrations had any leverage bars that they could use. Donald Trump and his administrations has many huge leverage bars. They've come at it from a totally different direction. So we know, all of us, and like I said, these Bible studies will explain this to you, a peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians will start a peace, uh, the final seven year uh, to the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is just ahead of us now. And I know that I can prove that in many ways, but all of the prophecies are converging. You realize that God, from the Old Testament uh, prophets all the way to Revelation chapter 22, gave us a huge timeline to follow. I wish I had time and a big whiteboard because I'd draw it all out here today. But he gave us a huge timeline to follow and of all the events that are supposed to have happened up to right now they've already occurred i just want to give you the gravity of this situation here and that the next two to be fulfilled on this huge timeline is the six trumpet war many of you know that that kills one-third of the world's population world war three is coming that the the six trumpet war and the peace agreement that starts the final seven years, those on this huge timeline, those are the next two events to be fulfilled. Everything else has already occurred up to this point. And so this is just ahead of us now. All the rest of the prophecies that are supposed to be occurring now or that will occur in the near future are already taking place, or I can give you precursors to every single one of them. It's unprecedented. It's, we've never been here before. So I know that people have said, well, the, the Lord could come back tomorrow and this, that, and the other. I don't know specifically the days coming back, but I can tell you we're just prior to this peace agreement being signed. I could prove you that. And so it's very important. So what's going on right now, this unprecedented effort to sign a peace agreement? President Trump's 
son-in-law is doing his, he's working day and night trying to get this peace agreement set up. It's Donald Trump's deal of the century. It was developed by Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt over the last two years. What they did is they went on a fact-finding mission. When Donald Trump came into office, he said, you guys, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, you know who he is, many of you, and Jason Greenblatt was his lawyer long, a long time, very trusted individual. Jared, Jason Greenblatt will never be a Cohen. You understand what happened to Cohen? He's never going to turn tail on Donald Trump. That's not going to happen. Very trusted individual, trustworthy. Donald Trump set them off on a fact-finding mission, and you say, well, what'd they do? They went and tried to go get the Palestinians and Israelis to come to the negotiating table right off the bat. Didn't do that. That's what past administrations did. These guys went straight off into the Arab nations around because the Palestinians always had backed away and said, well, the Arabs, with the Arab Peace Initiative, we can't do this. The Arabs aren't on board with it. We can't do it. There's nothing we can do. So the Trump administration said, we're going to take that off the table. So what they started doing is they started going to all the Arab neighbors around there and getting a regional peace agreement going, not just the Palestinians and Israelis. It's never been done before. Totally different situation. So it was developed over the last two years. These guys have been working previously. They've traveled over there 30 or 40 times, not twice or three or four times. They've been going, 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 going. And so the Palestinian Mahmoud Abbas, he's rejected all future negotiations with the United States because we recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. So he says, you guys aren't a peace broker. You're all for Israel. Can't do it. But the problem is he's got people behind him saying, you do it or we're going to sweep you out of power. And I'll show you that here in just a moment. So he's, he's almost becoming a non-factor, and he's been one of the major um, opponents of it up to this point, but they're saying, you know what, you're 80-some years old. Uh, we'll just move you off the stage if you don't want to get on board here. So as a result, the release of Trump's peace plan has been delayed because of that, because Mahmoud Abbas didn't want to play ball, but they're fixing to roll it out here. And Kushner and Greenblatt have been quietly promoting the peace plan uh, to Israel and to the Arab countries such as Jordan, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Egypt. So the release of Trump's peace plan has been delayed until after the elections. So the Trump administration has announced that they would release the peace plan after, uh, they had originally said, early after the beginning of 2019. But Israel's government collapsed. And Netanyahu called for elections April the 9th. It's coming up here in just, what, a month and a half or so. And the release of the police plan has now been postponed until after those elections. So the question is, because all of the other peace plans have fallen flat. Now, they've signed the Oslo Peace Accord, the Y River Accords, things like that. But those were not the peace agreement. There's four characteristics to the peace agreement. You watch this in the news. You've got to study this. But there's four characteristics to the peace agreement. And that's when we will know it's the one. According to Scripture, it will um, create a two-state solution. And it's going to allow the Israelis living in the West Bank to stay out there under a Palestinian jurisdiction. And it's going to allow Israel to rebuild her third temple. It's going to place the Temple Mount under a sharing arrangement, um, probably supervised by the United Nations, just like um, uh, what's the um, Hebron and Machpelah down there with the, the cave of the patriarchs. It's supervised, and Israel has access to it sometimes. The Palestinians and the Arabs have access to it at other times. The Temple Mount is going to be placed under that same sharing arrangement. Revelation 11, 1 and 2 
He gives it in great detail. And so we have specific characteristics of the peace agreement. None of the rest of them had those characteristics. None of the other ones allowed Israel to build its third temple. This future one will. And so does Donald Trump's peace plan have a chance of succeeding? The Sunni countries, you understand that like Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, different ones, they're Sunni Muslim. Iran is Shia Muslim, and they hate each other's guts. Even though they're both Muslims, they are, they're different in their belief system, and it, it all boils down to who would follow, who would be a, um, one of the true descendants of Muhammad. It all boils back to that. Somebody knows what I'm saying. Okay, so, um, the, so it all boils down to the Sunni Arab nations of Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Jordan, and Egypt, they see that an alliance with the U.S. and Israel as being the only way they can safeguard against what Iran is trying to do in the Middle East. Iran wants to rule the world, but they want to start with the Middle East. That's why they want, they've got this nuclear, just dreams of nuclear bombs. They've said many times, we're going to drive Israel, the, or United States, the big Satan, off the planet. We're going to destroy them, and we're going to destroy Israel, little Satan, we're going to draw, push them off into the sea. So they are the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet. And so these Sunni Arab nations, Saudi Arabia right next to Iran, they're scared to death of them. And they want nuclear weapons to fend them off. They so we're, they're wanting to work up a nuclear race, in the nuclear arms race in the Middle East. But they see if we could sign an agreement with Israel, who has about 300 nuclear weapons. Most people don't know that. But if we could sign an agreement with Israel, and this is what some of what Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt are telling them, if you could get Israel and the United States to protect you, then we could sign agreements here and we could make plans to protect you. But what we will need from you is to bring the Palestinians to the negotiating table. None of the other presidential administrations have ever tried this. So Donald Trump and them have got leverage bars that none of the rest of the administrations have ever had. So this is what's being told here because all of these Sunni Arab nations realize what Iran's trying to do. And so Kushner's making surprise progress. He said, first, he recognizes the Iran threat. It matters more to Sunni Arabs than Palestine. But the Sunni Arabs have huge influence over the, Palestinian, the Palestinians. Second, Kushner realizes the Arab generation has fundamentally different perspectives than their elders. Just like we have youth coming up that are willing to implement socialism here in the United States, but people my age are like, no, this, there's no way we're going to implement socialism here. But we've got some, some people call them millennials. It's just a group of individuals that are coming out of high school and college that says, socialism's not too bad. Free college, free this, free that, free health care. And so they're willing to implement it here, but they don't understand the gravity of socialism. Well, just like that, the Palestinians in these Arab nations, they don't hold to the same belief systems that their parents and grandparents did. So they're coming along saying, well, Israel's not so bad. So Kushner and Greenblatt know that, and they're playing on that. Remember, these guys are not church people. These are politicians. They're trying to get a deal done. They're looking at it through secular eyes, not religious eyes. It's a whole different ballgame. So Arab-Israel relations are improving rapidly. Now think about this. This stuff is unprecedented. Not up until just the last year or two has this stuff been possible. Saudi Arabia now allows flights to Israel over its airspace. Prior to that, you can't fly over Saudi Arabia and go into Israel. They wouldn't allow it. You had to go around, hit Turkey, and go back down. Into, it's, it was crazy. 
but they absolutely would not allow it. We're not going to have anything to do with Israel. Those things are kind of melting, those relationships. Israel aircraft can now overfly Sudan and Oman, these Arab nations. Israel and seven Arab states participated in a Trump meeting at our White House in March of last year. The Arab states included Saudi Arabia, Qatar, uh, or Qatar, however you want to pronounce it, Bahrain, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Jordan, and Oman. They came here to discuss this arrangement they're trying, to, this Middle East arrangement, and a future peace agreement because Jared, Jared Kushner, Jason Greenman have been pushing this for everything in the, that they're worth for the last two years. Jared Kushner's been very busy. I mean, he has been putting the miles in. Saudi Arabia, the Saudi crown prince, said that Israel and, Palest- Israel and Palestinians both have a right to their own land. Now imagine an Arab prince saying that about Israel. They've got a right to their own land. Up until this point, they've been ready to drive them off into the sea as well. They didn't want anything to do with them. They recognized Israel could exist, but they couldn't have that land. But now they've said they can have their, they, can have, they, gotta, they deserve a place of existence there, a, a land. And um, that this, this will have to be defined by a peace agreement. Saudi Arabia recognizes that now. And then the former Qatari prime minister stated that Israel's have a right to live in their own land, as do Palestinians. Huge development. Up until this point, they were ready to go to war because they didn't believe they should have that. Doing pretty good, Jen. I'm my time here. Um, so my wife's always going. So, um, we, yeah, we talked about it right before we came in here. I got my, my speech. So Israel Katz, the Transportation and Is- uh, Intelligence Minister of Israel. Now, get this. This is a, a newer development. Just in, He spoke about this in uh, October of 2018, just a few months ago. He said, there's great interest in an ambitious trade plan to give Middle Eastern nations, including Saudi Arabia and Jordan, access to the Mediterranean Sea through Israel's ports. Now, think about this. Arab nations, what they're wanting to do is to come in through the port of Haifa in Israel, which is in northern Israel, have these um, railways go into into, uh, Jordan through Israel, And then Jordan would be the hub of this huge railway all throughout these Sunni Arab nations, giving them access not to have to go down southern through the the Gulf, but they could go out into the Mediterranean Sea through Israel. So there are things that are happening right now that are unprecedented. None of this stuff has ever been possible before until the Trump administration come along and they started going around saying, hey, we could offer you this, economic plans, we could help build plants, airports, you can come to the port of Israel. They're willing to let this happen if you guys will play ball with this peace agreement. Now, what does the peace agreement start? Tell me again. The final seven years. The peace agreement starts the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. Remember that long line of prophecies I told you about? The next two are the six trumpet war and the peace agreement. So you understand I'm giving you a prophecy update here. I'm not sensationalizing this, trying to get everybody excited and jumping up and down. That's not what I'm doing. I'm telling you what's happening here in, the, in, the, in 2019, everybody. This could be signed this year. You understand what the, the gravity of this. That would, if that's the one and it has those four characteristics, we could start the final seven years. This has never been possible before until right now, what they're doing. We're, willing, we're saying we're willing to protect you guys with nuclear if we have to, the Sunnis, if you will play ball with this stuff. And so 
in a first, um, and like I say, this is stuff's unprecedented. In a first, and the Israeli anthem was played in the United Arab Emirates, the, an Arab nation. After Israel, Jakota wins gold. So, one of, uh, for sake of time, I'm just going to start going through these without explaining everything. So, there was a, a gentleman, Sagi Muki, who is an Israeli, won a judo contest in the United Arab Emirates. He was allowed to participate. He won gold there. And for the first time, the, in is, the Israeli anthem was played after he won gold at this competition. Un, totally unprecedented. It would be unheard of before the last year or two. And it would never have happened. But things are starting to melt paving the way for a future peace agreement. The Chad president had headed to Israel to forge historic diplomatic ties. Idris Debi will be the first Chadian leader to visit Israel and the Muslim Central African nation severed ties with Israel in 1972. But Debi is to meet Prime Minister Netanyahu, President Rivlin, and he was to visit. He, the visit by the Chad's leader is a diplomatic breakthrough totally... Um, has, was never even possible since 1972. But yet, like I said, things are melting now. So once the final seven years starts, Israel's third temple is going to be built during the first three and a half years. There's a final seven-year period. The Bible divides it into two three-and-a-half-year sections. And during that first three-and-a-half years, because of the peace agreement, remember I said one of the characteristics is they're going to be allowed to build their third temple. And so... That's during the first three and a half years. And when they build, why does Israel want to build their third temple? You know the main reason? To start sacrifices, just like they did in the Old Testament. You understand the tabernacle and the temple plans. They offered a sacrifice. They went to the brazen labor. Then they went into the holy place. Then they would go into the holiest of holies. They did all the rituals to atone for the sins of Israel. So Israel believes that they need to build a third temple again and resume sacrifices. They're pushing, pushing, pushing every year doing uh, they're offering sacrifices, just not up on the Temple Mount. And so animal sacrifices will be started when the temple is rebuilt on the, on the, during the first three and a half years of this seven years. Well, there are things already being put in place for this. You understand that all of the instruments that are needed for the third temple are done. They have even created an Ark of the Covenant. I've seen it many times. And Now, they don't have the original one, but they've said, hey, until we find that, we can use this one. And it's overlaid with gold, several million dollars. And we see it every year when we go to the Temple Institute. All of the priests are being trained now. All of their robes are done with all the jewels. All that stuff's done. The only thing they're waiting for now is, is a red heifer, which they may have one. And um, if it doesn't decide to sprout a white hair or something, but you never know. But at the end of the day, they could actually have that now. And it's, get, it's coming to age. It's been born. And, um, but what they did the other day, activists uh, carry out these. The, the Sanhedrin got together and the, um, the priests that had been trained, and they carried out a Passover ritual at the foot of the Temple Mount. This just happened um, last year. Hundreds of activists and supporters attended an annual exercise of the Passover sacrifice that was conducted for the first time next to the southern wall at the foot of the temple. What they did, they created their own um, brazen altar. And they went and sacrificed two lambs. And the ceremony included a slaughtering of two lambs and a demonstration of the work of the Kohanim. And 
a soft freed who was a spokesman for the Temple Mount activist movement, said that he was thrilled with the event, and he added that when 10,000 attend, we will be able to do this up on the Temple Mount. This was last year. So they're creating mock sacrifices. They're put, in other words, you've heard the term uh, out of sight, out of mind. They are never going to let this be out of sight and out of mind. They're pushing the issue all the time. And so um, Yehuda Glick, a great friend of ours, has been up on the Temple Mount, uh, and he's been, he's been banned from the Temple Mount, and then they'd allow him back on. Well, now he's a member of the Knesset. And he's been pushing, pushing, pushing this stuff for years, pushing for a third temple. Um, and by the way, I said that the Temple Mount is going to be placed under a sharing arrangement. A lot of people have said, well, if they don't destroy the Dome of the Rock, Israel can't build their third temple up there. That's not true. Yehuda Glick is one of the major um, advocates of building the Temple Mount on the, the third temple on the Temple Mount. We ask him, he talks to our group almost every time we go to Israel. I ask him, I said, Yehuda, here's the deal. Many people believe that the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosque are going to have to be removed off the Temple Mount for Israel to build its third temple. He said, well, we believe that God would do that and that we would be able to build our third, they call it a synagogue, we'd be able to build our third synagogue up there. But he said, in order to build the third synagogue, we would be willing to build it in that about a 10-acre plot north of the Dome of the Rock where actually the Dome of the Spirits is where many believe that the Holiest of Holies was. So, and it aligns also with the eastern gate perfectly. You get up there and you can look from there all the way. There's nothing impeding that. So he said, we actually would be willing to do that. Well, I can tell you that's what's going to happen. It, the Bible says that to measure the temple, but don't measure the outer court because it will be trodden down of the Gentiles for, for 1,260 days, 42 months, time, times, and half a time. So that final um, three and a half years. So it's going to be put under a sharing arrangement and Israel's going to be allowed build a third temple. This, they're already planning on it. The, the, the plans are drawn. They've got the blueprints. Up to today's um, codes, it's going to have internet access and elevators in it. I mean, I, I, the plans, I've seen them. I mean, it's, but they, they had to do it up to today's code, so elevators in the temple, think about that. It just, they'll have electricity in there. I mean, they'll have, it'll be up to today's codes. So um, they, they, they plan for everything. They've said they can build it in a year or just under that. So they're, they're ready to go. All this stuff, and it's all coming down. Remember, that's one of the next two prophecies on God's prophetic time clock. So the oppositions to the sacrifices is going to cause them to stop. The Bible says the Antichrist, at the halfway through that final seven-year period, the Antichrist will stand in that rebuilt Jewish temple and cause the sacrifice. He's going to claim to be God himself and cause the sacrifices to cease. Well, we're seeing efforts towards precursors to this, happening in the world right now. The Belgian region, um, their kosher slaughter ban goes into effect. This has already happened. A ban on kosher slaughter by the Flanders region of Belgium will go... You you know that across Europe there are millions of Jews. And some of these things that are happening are precursors are already happening in Europe. So the Flanders region of Belgium will go into effect just this past month, January 1, 2019, after legislation prohibiting animal slaughter without pre-stunning it. Now, this is very important, was passed in the region's parliament in July of 2017. So here's the key. Jewish law requires that an animal that's going to be sacrificed, that it be perfectly healthy and uninjured before slaughter. But pre-stunning, in other words, um, you know how they stun an animal. They might hit it with electricity or shoot that thing in its head. I'm just kind of being graphic here, but this is what happens. And, but 
the Jewish law requires that the animal is healthy and uninjured before they slaughter it, but pre-stunning, which this law is saying has to happen, pre-stunning injures the animal and therefore cannot be used. So it's possible these guys have said, hey, we want to um, start up sacrifices again, but they're passing laws saying, but we're not going to allow you to do it kosherly and possibly stopping this stuff. So there's precursors to the things that will happen at the abomination of desolation happening in Europe as we speak. And so this, this stuff is not light years away, folks. They're discussing all of this stuff in the news all the time. And honestly, I've got a research team at End Time, Irvin Baxter, myself. I read all day, every day, and I read in the evenings, and I read on the weekend. And I've got a research team that feeds us material and people from around the world in different countries that feed us information, and I still can't keep up on it. Occasionally, somebody will send me something that we missed that's two months old. And I'm like, how? We've got everybody looking at this stuff. But somebody will send me something that happened in New Zealand or, you know, Eastern Europe or whatever that we totally missed. That's so prophetic um, that I, I, I can't believe we missed stuff, but we do because it's all happening so fast. When Irvin Baxter started this about 50, 45, 50 years ago, he told me, he said, I would search through the papers to try to find something dealing with prophecy. And now we can't keep up with it. Our team can't keep up with it on a daily basis. It's all happening so fast. Things are unprecedented, folks. And we're living through this. That's why these Bible studies are so critical that um, Brother Kuhn is going to do because it helps you to know. You've got to expand the big picture in your mind. You weren't taught this stuff your whole life. It's been shielded from you, many of it, on purpose. The elites, these people wanting to run the world, they didn't tell you about all this stuff. So you need to come learn about it. Very, very important. So Netanyahu at the uh, embassy ceremony, uh, President Trump was, it said that President Trump's making history. Just go to the highlighted part. Many of you know that we recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, and we moved our embassy there. Well, the yellow part. Today, the embassy uh, of the most powerful nation on earth, our greatest ally, the United States of America, today its embassy opened here. Donald Trump, or uh, President Netanyahu, was saying what a, what a historical event it was, basically tying. I mean, up until this point, everybody had their uh, embassies in Tel Aviv. When Donald Trump said, I'm going to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, because what happened, we're talking about the peace agreement. Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt traveled to all these Arab nations and to Israel, came back and gave Donald Trump a report. And he said, all right, boys. I'm, I wrote the art of the deal. Tell me how we can make a deal here. What can, what can we get? Because if you've ever been in negotiations or sales, you never have to ask a question you don't already know the answer to. Donald Trump knows very well about this. He's done billion-dollar deals. I mean, just, and so um, he wants to know the answers to the questions before he even asks them when he goes into these negotiations. And so he says, what, what can we get? What, can't, what can we not get? And they said, well, one thing that you're not going to get a deal on with the Palestinians and, and the Israelis is Jerusalem. They're never going, neither one of them is ever going to negotiate that. And he said, okay, I'm going to take that negotiation off the table. I, as the, United, the president of the United States, am going to recognize Jerusalem as, as Israel's, Israel's capital, and I'm going to move our embassy there. And it, we're not even going to negotiate it. It's going to be off the table because we're doing it. So when he did this, Prime Minister Netanyahu recognized what he did, and he said, oh, you realize the history that's happening here today with them recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital and moving their embassy there. They're saying that we're not going to let anything happen to our embassy, you understand. 
So we're willing to protect Jerusalem in Israel's favor. And that's why Mahmoud Abbas said, you guys aren't, you're all for Israel, I'm not going to negotiate with you anymore. And that's kind of why everything's been postponed up to this point. Huge things going on in the news over the last couple of years. Donald Trump come along and just shook the whole mess and said, I'm not going to do it the way they've always done it. I'm going to get the thing done. And the Bible says that there's going to be a peace agreement that starts the final seven years in just the near future. So the elections in Israel, this is April 9th, 2019. What's going to happen? These are some questions that we have. Who will the Israel's prime minister be? It's possible that Netanyahu could get, could get defeated. You understand what's going on? He's under indictment right now for accepting gifts from people. And there are, uh, they're saying that there are some newspapers that said, hey, we'll give you positive press no matter what happens if you'll give us some political favors. That, now, that, those, are, um, those are things that he's being accused of. None of it's been proven. But that, these are things that he's being accused of. So it is possible that that could tip the scale and maybe Yair Lapid and Gantz could get in. You never know. I don't know. Um, but whoever it is, there's going to be a peace agreement signed. I don't care if Netanyahu goes off the scene, somebody else comes along. According to Scripture, and you realize every single prophecy, all of the 100 prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming came to pass in intricate detail. And everything since then till now has come to pass in intricate detail. Every single one. They haven't missed one of them. And so we know there's a peace agreement. You could say, well, maybe, maybe God just messed up and it's not going to happen. Now, every single one of these is going to happen. The, and the peace agreement, just ahead of us now, regardless of who's in office. Will it be Trump's deal of the century? We don't know that. It, Trump's deal could fall and another one come along. But I know it's going to happen. But the, it, the deal of the century, it's just things are unprecedented right now that have never come along before, and they've got such leverage power. I mean, think of it. If the, if the um, Sunni Arabs, the Saudi Arabian, all of them, all of them, if they say, okay, we're not going to play ball, the Palestinians won't come and negotiate, sorry, Donald Trump can say, okay, well, then you're tying our hands as far as protecting you guys from Iran. You understand the situation here? That's where they're at right now. He can say, I'm sorry, we can't protect you guys. You're at their mercy, and they're right next door to them. Be like Canada and the United States. But we don't have nuclear weapons, and Canada did. Think about that. That's kind of the situation. They're right there. Iraq, Saudi, or, uh, Saudi Arabia, and um, Iran. So they're, 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 they're in a pickle. And Donald Trump, he's got a way of kind of dragging, you know, and he's got a way of influencing, influencing them. Let's put it like that. Let's be nice here. So we don't know. And you say, well, I don't know if Donald Trump is, uh, you know, he's too nice. He wouldn't do something like that. Come on. Donald Trump, the guy's been doing deals his whole life. He's had to work. Who, who runs the construction in New York? The mafia does. Donald Trump's dealt with them guys. You wonder why he can walk into Vladimir Putin and he don't phase him no more, all these people. They don't phase him. Even though he has not a politician, he's been dealing with dastardly people his whole life. He's not worried about these guys, and he's been very successful at it. He's not a saint. I'm not saying Donald Trump's a saint, but he knows how to get stuff done. And so he's the one that's, this is the deal of the century is what he's called it. We don't know uh, that there will be a deal after the elections, but I know there will be a deal in the near future, and that the deal that happens whenever is going to be the deal that, that starts the peace agreement, that starts the final seven years to the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ. The question is, could, this, could the final seven years begin in 2019? If Donald Trump rolls it out, they come to negotiations, the negotiating table, 
get the thing done, latter part of 2019, early 2020. I mean, if they were to get it signed, it could start the final seven years. Donald Trump, if he didn't win a Nobel Peace Prize, I would be shocked. Of course, I've been shocked by some of the things that have been happening up to this point because you realize Donald Trump is flying in the face of the international community. The international community does not recognize Israel's right to Jerusalem. They say it should be an international city. Ever since they gave him the partition back in 1949, they didn't recognize it. They still don't recognize it. Donald Trump's flying in the face of the international community. It leads me, I got two minutes uh, just about, so I'll, I'm going to try to wrap it up, but I'll, it leads me into the next one. That's the battle between globalism and national sovereignty. Donald Trump, um, he's obviously, I've got Macron and versus Trump here. It's really Trump versus the world. If you've not understood what's going on in the news, the international community would love to eviscerate Donald Trump and, and, and annihilate him, get him into a million pieces. They want to destroy him because he is coming against what they're trying to do, this world government. Trump spoke against globalism. Globalism is um, the process of moving away from the nation state. No, it's more, it's more than just economics and things like that. It's moving away from the nation state where a nation would try to protect its borders. They do not want that. They want them to have open borders. You understand there are people that are fighting for open borders here in America. Donald Trump saying, I'm going to build a wall. He's flying in the face of the international community. Globalization is the process of moving away from the nation state and moving into full-fledged world government where you would have a global state that answers to a world government. That's what they're trying to create. Europe is the model. Europe, Europe the tariffs are down, the borders are down, and you can grow corn in France and sell it in Spain just like you would Indiana and Ohio. No, no, the borders are down. Tariffs are down. I can get a... I can drive from one nation to another and not, don't, not go through any border patrol, none of that. We do it every couple, two or three years. So uh, that's the model, borderless. Up until Donald Trump, our presidents, Bushes, Clinton, all of them were for this. And yet Donald Trump comes along and says, we're going to build a wall. Well, who started howling? The international community and people here in the United States that are liberal internationalists, globalists. They believe in a world government. So Donald Trump made a speech at, in his U.N. speech in 2018. Three hours later, Macron steps there and contradicts everything President Trump had said. I can't believe somebody would claim to be a nationalist and try to protect borders. Why wouldn't you want to protect the borders of your nation? All the drugs and the sex trafficking and all this mess that's coming across, pouring across our border but yet we've got people that are saying it's immoral to build a wall. So it's, they're, it, they're trying to build a world government. Angela Merkel has said, listen, countries must give up their sovereignty. And she said um, down here in the yellow that, uh, or th the last paragraph, her words echo the recent comments by the beleaguered French President Emmanuel Macron, who stated in a Remembrance Day speech that patriotism is the exact opposite of nationalism. That's a false statement. Patriotism, nationalism is synonymous terms. But he was just, what he was saying was totally propaganda. And he said because nationalism is treason. In his speech, he's trying to indoctrinate people. He's trying to, and he wants to get people to believe. <gasps> because most people don't even know what nationalism means. And so if you're sitting there on the nightly news and this guy comes along, he looks good and he smells good. And he says nationalism is treason. You'd think, <gasps> Donald Trump just claimed to be a nationalist. I'm a nationalist. I believe in, I'm a patriot. 
There's nothing wrong with protecting your borders. I don't want to let all kinds of heathens in here. And you say, well, not all of them are heathens. Why are they coming across illegally then? Why not come through the ports of entry and sign up? And I'm getting political. Sorry, I don't want to go into that. So at any rate, um, she said that Germany's had to give up their sovereignty as well. Uh, where am I at? So Okay, so let's go to, um, yeah, so uh, Angela Merkel said that the EU member states have surrendered national sovereignty to Brussels, their central government. So she said that we're all about that. Europe is the model for this world government. Do away with your borders. Let's create a global state that answers to a world government. And so um, Trump at, well, I tell you what, it's 20 after 12, so I'm going to cut it right there. Okay, let's go. So uh, <laughs> I'm hurrying, guys. I'm, I, uh, so, okay, so Trump at NATO, the NATO summit. Germany is held captive by Russia. So here's what's going on. Trump went to NATO and said, listen, I'm not going, you guys aren't giving your fair amount of funds to NATO. And he said, I want you to pay for it because he said, the United States has been footing the bill for all this for your security. Even Germany, who is fabulously wealthy, they're part of NATO. He said, we've been footing the bill for this. You guys need to shore up here. And what's happened is, is Donald Trump says, listen, Germany, we'll go to the next one. He said, uh, one more. He said, um, Germany, you're being held captive by Russia because the fact of the matter is, is you want us to protect you, but yet you've signed a huge gas deal with them, natural gas with Russia, and are giving them billions of dollars. And he said, but you're wanting us to protect you, but yet you're telling everybody in the news that we're, you guys are on opposite sides and need our protection. So it's, it's re- really, it's a big wealth redistribution scheme is what it is. So... Germany, but we know from the prophecies of the Bible that Germany and Russia are going to end up together. How do I know that? Because in Revelation 13, the Bible says the world governing beast has the body of the leopard, the feet of the bear. The leopard's Germany and the bear's Russia. The mouth of the lion, the ten horns of the ten horn beast. So we know that. And then, um, of course, what I just said, Germany transfers billions of dollars to Russia from whom the United States is supposed to defend Europe. Donald Trump has said, not doing that anymore done with this. He's shaking up the whole thing. All of the previous administrations have said, oh yeah, we'll continue to do this. They never even mentioned it in the news because they were globalists as well. All the previous administrations, everybody from FDR to uh, Donald Trump, all the administrations have been pro-globalist except for two of them fought against it. JFK Look what happened to him and Reagan. Both of them got shot. So who knows? We've wondered about what will happen to Donald Trump because he's doing much more than either one of them guys have done. Has the Ten Horn Kingdom arrived? So you know that the world governing body, and I know I'm blowing and going here, but you just have to follow me. The, the, uh, the Ten Horn Kingdom is the Ten Horn Beast in the, in the world governing body in the end time. It's Revelation chapter 13. It's ten nations that will form an alliance with the Antichrist in the last days. The Bible study will, is just, will take you through all this in great detail. In November, the European initiative, Macron put together a ten-nation union to have a true European army. It's called the European Intervention Initiative, and it admitted not nine members, not 11 members, but ten. The exact amount the Bible said would uh, come into line 
This was November 2018. Finland was the 10th nation. And um, so, I mean, we're staring right at it, folks. Trump is reversing the pro-gay agenda. Bible says Jesus prophesied that in the last days, um, just as it was, as when Lot come up out of Sodom, it would be that same kind of society when the, sec- when the Son of Man would be revealed. We know from those prophecies that the, um, the LGBTQ perverse lifestyles would be prominent in our society at the time of His second coming. Now, if, if, again, if you're living in that lifestyle, it, you know, we, we, the Bible talks about it. We could talk about it. You can talk to Pastor Kuhn about it. it. There's a good, there's, you know, you could be saved out of that lifestyle. We talk about it all the time on the radio. I'm not condemning you. Jesus didn't condemn the woman that was caught in the act of adultery. I'm not condemning you or anybody when we talk on the radio. The Bible says, such were some of you, but you've been washed and made, your, made yourselves white in the blood of the Lamb. So um, we teach, um, we don't, uh, I'm not talking down to people. I'm not dogging people in that lifestyle. I'm just saying you can be saved out of that lifestyle. Um, and we could talk later on if you want to talk about that. But I'm talking about what the Trump administration is doing. The Pentagon abandoned support for the LGBT Pride Month. Um, prior to this, the administrations, many administrations have supported this, supported the LGBTQ community, the lifestyles, the whole ball of wax, pushed it. For the first time in six years, the Department of Defense did not release a memo marking the LGBT Pride Month. The Pentagon also declined to send a high-ranking staffer to emcee an official pride celebration thrown by the Department of Defense LGBT group. Uh, that was reported by the Washington Post. The Air Force reversed a decision to punish a colonel for his religious beliefs. Now, this is 2018, 2019, 2017. This is, this, remember, Jesus prophesied that this would be you understand the, the situation in Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened, the stories there. Okay, so Jesus said, just like it was then, it's going to be just prior to my second coming. Then um, the Air Force has reserved its, its decision, reversed its decision, to punish a highly decorated and respected colonel after he refused to publicly affirm the same-sex spouse of a retiring subordinate. They were on the verge of promoting that individual, and um, he was suspended from his command in 2017, Trump reversed that. And then, uh, so I've got that in here twice. Go to another one. Go to another one. Okay. The Supreme Court rules in favor of the Christian Baker. And many of you will know about that. The Supreme Court ruled in 7-2 favor of Jack Phillips, who said, I cannot bake a cake. I'm a Christian baker. I can't bake a cake that says, congratulations, John and Steve on it. He said, I can't do that. Those two guys had been buying stuff, cupcakes and donuts and stuff from his bakery for years. But he said, I can't recognize your same-sex wedding. I can't do that. And so they sued him. It went all the way to Supreme Court, and um, Jack Phillips won that. So there's a, there, we're, we're kind of turning the Titanic here, okay? I'm almost done. I'll tell you what. Let's go all the way to get right down here to the end. Yeah, I don't have time. Sorry. Um, keep going. Keep skipping. I'll tell you when to stop. Skip, 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 skip. Okay, right here. Now, so I will tell you that just real quick. I can go over those slides real fast. In Europe, the, you know, you understand that the Great Tribulation is coming, the final three and a half years prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that the Bible says it will be the wrath of Satan, and he will persecute Israel, the Jews on the planet, 
and he will persecute the true church of Jesus Christ. Okay? Well, we're already seeing precursors to this now. There are thousands and thousands of Jews that are being persecuted in Europe right now, and thousands and thousands of them have made Aliyah to Israel. They have left Europe and went to Israel already because they're feeling so much persecution. Well, when, when the abomination of desolation occurs, halfway through that final seven-year period, the Bible says the Antichrist will um, claim to be God. He will cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And Jesus said, when you see that event called the, the abomination of desolation, then let them which be in Judea flee, for then would be great tribulation such as never been before, never shall be again. And so Jesus was telling us that that's when the great tribulation would start. And, we, and the Bible says that Satan would persecute Israel or the Jews and the true church of Jesus Christ. So we know that it's already happening. All of those slides took you through several instances of precursors to the great tribulation. Jews on the earth today, I just wrote a huge article about this a few months ago. On the earth today, the most persecuted individuals on the planet are Jews and Christians. And you go to Open Doors and things like that, the opendoors.com, and it talks about all of the places that Jews and Christians are being persecuted, North Korea, China. China just implemented the huge um, social uh, control system where if you get out of their little social norms, if you jaywalk, if anything like that, they've got ability to cut off your, um, to, uh, your ability to travel and get on planes and all kinds of different stuff. It's all about persecution, control. We're already seeing it happen. Precursors to the Great Tribulation. Just a few more slides. Prophecies of the nukes at Armageddon. So the Bible tells us that what the, um, how the Lord is going to judge them that come down against Israel at the battle of Armageddon. Zechariah 14, 12 says, Their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. Those are the th kind of things that happen when a nuclear bomb is detonated, melting. And if you understand the, the Chernobyl accident, all the different things. Well, Netanyahu, just last year, in August of last year, he spoke from the nuclear center in Demona. And he said, all who threaten Israel with destruction are putting themselves in danger of being destroyed. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said on Wednesday from, a nuclear, from the newly named Shimon Perez Nuclear Research Center down in Demona. Now, that's where they have their nuclear weapons. They don't have any nuclear energy, but they've got a huge nuclear situation. Now, they've got about 300 nuclear weapons. And he said, what we will do is, is if anybody comes against us, we've got what's called the Samson option. You understand that Samson in the Bible, at the very end of his life, he took more out at that time than he had taken out through his whole life. He put his hands on the pillars, boom, the house came down and killed them all. So Israel has what's called the Samson option. And they say, if we go down, everybody's going with us. Well, the Bible says, these are the plagues with which I will come, that will come upon the armies that come against Israel. Their eyes will consume in their sockets. Their tongue will consume in their mouth. It's going to be nuclear weapons, and Israel is already... They planned about this for years. The, the Samson option has been on the table for decades now. And it's, it's going right along with the prophecies of the Bible. Also, uh, the Bible says in Revelation eleven thirteen 13, at, at the time when the, uh, at the end of the Great Tribulation, and at the same hour, just at the same hour when the um, two witnesses are taken up, that there was a great earthquake. A tenth part of the city fell, and in the earthquake was slain of men 7,000. Remember the yellow term, 7,000. So go to the next one. An earthquake in Israel will kill 7,000. 
This is Israel National News in July of last year. The state comptroller warned that a major earthquake is coming that could kill 7,000 and destroy bridges. Experts in the field believe that the occurrence of a strong earthquake with all its severe consequences and where it could be located uh, is almost certain. Its impact on different religions of the country will be enormous, and according to the government-approved preparedness examination, in the event of a major earthquake, Israel could expect to lose seven, to expect 7,000 fatalities. And the Bible says that there could be that there will, when this earthquake occurs, it, there could be 7,000. It didn't say 7,543. These guys are not religious prophetic gurus, but they said we could lose seven, we expect to lose 7,000 fatalities. The Bible says it's coming. Uh, preparing for the mark of the beast. Okay, so the last two. Preparing for the mark of the beast, 666. How will 5G change the world? You understand, I talked about this a little bit last night. Most of our phones have 4G, the fourth generation. Well, 5G is coming to be implemented. They're, they're, they're implementing it, and they are installing it in all of these smart cities. They're putting up antennas to connect everything. It's going to be 10, depending on where you live, to 100 times faster than 4G. And the benefits and advantages of 5G technology, they're expected to be available this year. And they said, we believe that 5G will change the world so you understand the mark of the beast. The Bible says every man will be given a number without which, without which they won't be able to buy or sell. So the numbering of every human and the tracking of every human. This comes from the World Economic Forum. We believe 5G will change the world even more profoundly than 3G or 4G and that it will, will be as revolutionary as electricity or the automobile. It will enable the tracking of everything on earth, including every person. Now, this is going to be implemented this year. This is called the Internet of Things. You've heard of it, the terminology. So the Internet of Things, what's that? Well, the Internet of Things, or the Internet of Everything, is a system of interrelated computer devices. I mean everything that they would put an RFID chip in. They're wanting to do it in your toasters, your um, TV, everything, so that the way they can track everything you do. This would all come back to a main database. If you've got an RFID chip in it, they can track it. So that's what they're wanting to do. I've got, I've, we've written articles on it. I've got documentation that you couldn't even read at all. It's a system of interrelated computer devices, mechanical and digital machines, your computers, your personal computer, everything, uh, objects, animals. You've heard them putting chips in your pets. Uh, some of you may have chips in your pets. Believe it or not, me and my brother, when I was young, we raised ostriches, and they had a chip in their neck. And, that, and we had a reader. I mean, it was, I've done so much stuff. Anyway, um, and people that are provided, get this, with unique identifiers, UIDs. What would that be? Chips, things in your hand. I've seen chips in your hand, invisible tattoos where you put it under a light and it reads it, all kinds of stuff. But as long as this RFID system is, is um, implemented, this 5G will allow them to track all that. Plus all these cameras and things in all these smart cities, smart meters on your home, all that, they want to track everything you do. They can track you from when you leave your home in smart cities to the time you get to work by these cameras. And know, hey, so-and-so killed so-and-so. It's like the old clue game. He was in the library, and he did it with a candlestick, and that, they'll know all that stuff. And, so, um, and the ability to transfer data over a network without requiring human-to-human -human or human-to-computer interaction. 5G. 
I talked last night about ID2020, ID4D, these huge efforts in the world to number every human being. It was never possible until the invention of the computer and the internet, the blockchain technology, all of that is in place as we speak. And their goal is to number. I mean, Microsoft, Google, all of the major, in the, 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 the number one um, internet, all these guys, the, the technical minds on the globe, they're all involved. They've all been coming to the United Nations. They've all been going to the World Bank and implementing all of this stuff. The mark of the beast, precursors to the mark of the beast. We're seeing it. There are thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people that have um, chips already implanted in them. In Europe, they're doing it so you can gain access to your job, to, to the building you work at, to the copier, everything. You go down and you can buy chips for a break with your chip in your hand. Chips for chips. It's crazy. But this stuff's happening. But you were never taught about any of this stuff in throughout your college or high school or any of that. They, they, you, they don't want you knowing about this kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, the Bible is very specific. The Bible says, in the end time, you say, well, what should I be doing? In the end time, the Bible says that they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Everybody in here has a sphere of influence that I'll never meet. Irvin Baxter will never meet them. So who did God choose to tell them? You guys. Everybody in here, your mom, dad, your kids, your cousins, whoever comes to your house at Thanksgiving, uh, your coworkers, your neighbors. I'll never, I may never meet any of them. They may, they may never listen to one end-of-the-age program. But at the end of the day, God's chosen you to go instruct them. How do you do that? These Bible studies. These Bible studies will help you, and it's going to get you prepared, number one, but it will, it will help you prepare others. That's the whole goal here. That's our commission in the end time. So there's a prophecy update uh, for today, and I promise you, I was going 90 miles an hour, and I just skimmed the surface. I promise you. I could spend days and days. We do it every day on the radio and weekly on television and in our magazines. We've done these magazines since 91. But when we first started this magazine, somebody asked my father-in-law, well, yeah, after the third magazine, what are you going to write on? We're like, we can't write it all. I wish this thing was 100 pages. I could fill it up. Easy. But we can't. So at the end of the day, join the Bible study. Now, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm done. I'm going to collect the envelopes. So if somebody can, I'm going to take up an offering here because um, we want to help the church offset the expenses. They flew us in here, bought us a hotel room. I want to help the church offset the expenses for bringing us here. So let's take up an offering, and I'm going to collect these envelopes. And if again, number one, put your information and say, I want to enroll in the End Time Bible Study, bottom left-hand corner. Check that box. You will not be sorry. I've taught... Hundred, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these Bible studies. And I've had so many people come up to me and say, thank you guys so much because I did not know this information. I was walking through life blind. I didn't know. And so um, what an important thing, not because we put it together, but it's Scripture. And the Bible, you understand the Bible's 30% prophecy. 30% of the entire Bible's prophecy. A lot of people don't know that. And so in these Bible studies, we will teach that 30%. And we, it's in, in great detail. 
we'll go back through all the history, the future, what's coming. We'll cover all of this, and uh, very, very important. So um, let me say a word of prayer for the offering, and then we'll take up an offering, and then we'll go off into the Q&A, and then uh, we'll baptize uh, Jordan here in just a little bit. Lord, I thank you for your many blessings. I truly thank you for every individual here under the sound of my voice. I thank you for the sincerity in their heart and wanting to learn from you, from your word, to know you more. I ask you to bless all of their homes today. Bless each of them as they go from this place. Bless this offering and help us to know you more through your word and through the spirit. I love you, Jesus, today. I bless you. I bless your name. Bless us all in Jesus' name. God bless you all. So let's collect the offering and these envelopes. Very important. The Bible study is going to start March the 12th here at 730. And... um, Very, very, very important. I mean, knowledge is power going forward. Knowledge is power. You've got to, uh, you want to be influential with your family. Share this stuff with them. If if you have any questions, just say, well, I don't know how to answer all the questions. Neither do we. But you can call us. Call Endtime, 1-800-363-8463. 1-800-ENDTIME. And ask us the questions. And if we know the answer, we'll help you. Myself, Doug Norvell, a staff member of ours, an associate pastor with me at End Time, um, all he does every day is correspond with people all over the globe, answers questions, um, ministers to people, because we've got people, they don't, we, we haven't been able to find them a church. I've been finding the people with uh, churches for years. I've got a hold of missionaries, been doing this stuff for years and years and years, and there's some people that I haven't been able to find them a church within 100 miles of their home. And so we minister to them and try to help them. Uh, some people live out in some ungodly places in this world where they want to live out there for some reason, but, you know, that's just part of it. Okay, so um, for the next 10, 15 minutes, has anybody got any questions? And yeah, see if we can help them. Okay, fire. Right. Sure. No, agreed. Right. So that's a great question. So um, if you remember last night, I said there's two things you absolutely should never do. So what we've talked about this in great detail. There, we have made up our mind there's a time when we will have to opt out. Okay. Now, I will tell you that we don't think that the mark of the beast will be fully implemented here in the United States. So that is a, um, it's a ray of hope, which we teach hope. I don't teach prophecy as gloom and doom. We teach, we teach hope that we're preparing people for the, the return of Jesus Christ. So there is a hope that we have. Um, the, the, the United States is not mentioned in the world governing beast. We believe that we will stand with Israel all the way to the end, that we will, we will protect her, and that the mark of the beast won't become the law of the land here in the United States. But... We're still trying to be sucked into it by many people who want to destroy the United States. So we, there's two things you should never do. If you always remember these two things, you don't have to worry about taking the mark of the beast. Number one, don't ever take... So we, we made up in our mind, we'll use the system until we have to opt out. I'm gonna, the Bible says, occupy till I come. 
So we're going to use the system until we have to opt out. I have a real ID driver's license. Irvin Baxter has a real ID driver's license. So we're using the system until I have to opt out. So there's two things you should never do. Always remember these two things, and you will not take the mark of the beast, okay? Never take a mark of identification on your person or in your body, period. I don't care. You, you would never. I, I wrote an article one time, and I told the people, I said, if these people understood prophecy, they would never have put a chip in their hand, these, all these people, even here in the United States. So never put a mark of identification. There are tattoo guys that are going around at fairs and making it this fad that, hey, I can help you open your car door with a chip in your hand or start your car. And so it's becoming a fad in the United States. And I'm like, don't do that. So never, number one, never take a mark of identification on your person, a, a chip, um, an invisible tattoo, anything like that. I've seen invisible tattoos that are, looks like a barcode, but you, you can look at their hand and it doesn't look like they have anything on there, but you put it under a special light and it thing shows up or a reader. So never take a mark of identification on your person and never pledge allegiance to the Antichrist or his one world governing system. If you don't do those two things, we can function in society until we need to say, once they say, okay, Deborah, I, you, now I want you to put a chip in your hand. No, I can't do that. Also, we're going to use this to economically sanction you to get you to bow to the will of the world community. You say, I, I'm, not, I'm done. I can't do that. So until that happens, we were going to use the system until we have to opt out. If they ever try to get me to put a mark on my body, can't do that. And to function in society. And then um, I could never pledge allegiance to thereby worshiping the Antichrist by pledging my allegiance. Okay, so I, I, I totally agree, but it's never going to become the, we don't believe it will ever become the law of the land here. So you could quit that company and, and go to another company, and it would be worth doing that. I would, again, I would never take a mark, and I would never pledge allegiance, because that company, believe me, the international community is having huge sway over companies. The, the Council on Foreign Relations, a lot of what they do is they will, they will bring the, and it's by invitation only, but they will bring the CEOs of these gigantic companies in, John Deere, I mean big companies, and they try to, in their commercials some way, they're trying to put out propaganda. I know that sounds weird, but that I'm telling you, I could prove all this, that they're trying to use these companies to put out propaganda. The LGBT lifestyle in almost every television on television show on, they're, they're putting out, hey, these people are cool and this lifestyle is cool. It's propaganda. Well, they're doing that things with all kinds of stuff climate change and you know if you don't believe in that human induced anthropogenic climate change or global warming leads to climate change then you're they, they try to make you out to be a goofball or a, a, a conspiracy theorist and this that and the other when in all actuality you're the one telling the truth but they're just trying to make it out like oh he can't be a, a, a productive member of society he don't want to protect the world well that's not the truth they're trying to destroy the world by setting up a world government so that's what I'm saying. These Bible studies teach you all this stuff in great detail. It's, it's very important. Um, but we don't believe it will become the law of the land here, and you're, you, you won't be forced economically. You could go get another job and still function in society. That's what we will believe will be happening here because the world government armies come down against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. We won't be a part of that. We're going to be protecting Israel. Revelation 12, 14. Uh, the... I've seen where Israel was carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she is nourished in her place for that final three and a half years. So um, 
just never do those two things. Whether If you had to quit your job, I'd quit mine tomorrow if I had to do that. So uh, you say, well, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. That's a decision you'll have to make. But I would never do those two things. Never, never mark of identification, never pledge allegiance to the Antichrist, his world governing system. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, I, I'm honestly surprised that they haven't up to this point. So, I, I don't see how he could be because he, he pulled us out of the Paris climate. Okay, so the, the United Nations right now, one of their big things is climate change. It's their propaganda to redistribute the wealth of the world because they're all socialist. Donald Trump pulled us out of the Paris Climate Agreement, and he's trying to reverse everything that the previous administrations did. So I, I don't know if he could, I don't see that. I don't see how he could, because he's going against everything, just about. Um, they even accused him of trying to decriminalize the LGBT homosexuality around the world. When they asked about him, him about it the other day, the major news sources were saying, Donald Trump's trying to decriminalize homosexuality around the world. They asked him about it the other day, and he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. They're just completely lying about him. So I, do, I, I think they thought he would bury himself, maybe, but he hasn't done that. He's been successful just one thing after another. Not everything, but a lot. He's been very successful. He's done more than any president in my lifetime or beyond. Um, so, I, I, man, from following this every day, I don't see how he could be serving them a purpose in what he's doing. Um, he's trying to build a wall, number one. He's going against what they're trying to do. Irvin Baxter and myself were surprised to this point that they haven't tried to. Will they in the near future? I mean, I've heard that he's got an army of men around him when he goes somewhere. Every speech, he takes an army of people. Um, so it would be kind of hard to do. Um, so I, at this point, it's all speculation. It, it's an opinion. I, I, I don't know why. Amen. So, um, and that's a huge thing. I mean, he's doing things that are scripturally correct. Um, and, and there are a lot of men praying for him. I pray for him uh, because he's doing a lot of things. I don't want America to be a part of this world governing body. So we need somebody to come along and pull us out. That's what he's doing. I wrote a huge article on um, the, the prophesied uh, removal of the United States from the world government. I mean, and I, I proved every, I've showed so many examples of what he's doing that uh, why they haven't up to this point, I, I don't know if I can answer that one. That's, that would be speculation on my part. A great question, though, on all of our minds. Uh, Jordan. Right. Right. So, yeah. So the Bible talks about the great falling away. When when Second Thessalonians talks about the great falling away, what it is referring to is 
falling away from the truth, apostasia, moving away from the original truth. Well, that happened just after the apostles died off. The apostle Paul prophesied about it. That's the great falling away they're talking about. What happened was is early on, Bibles were written on papaya and all this other kind of stuff, animal skins. All that's gone. We've got the original copies and the, the, the origin. Our Bibles that we look to now had access to the original copies. That's how we got it. It's only two translations away from the original. So when we look at that, um, those were handwritten back early on. So when the apostles went off the scene, they had wrote it. But when they went off the scene, um, a handwritten Bible would be, you'd have to be fabulously wealthy to have access to one. Well, the common man didn't have access to any of that. So we went off, because of the lack of the Word of God in society, we went off into what's called the Dark Ages. And people started making up all kinds of doctrines. I mean, you kind of know what I'm talking about, where they moved away, where they said, hey, we're still a church, but you're going to believe like this, which is diametrically opposed to the Word of God, and I don't want to get off into all that. That'll happen in the Bible studies. But it was diametrically opposed to the Word of God, but we still call ourselves a church, and we're going to go on crusades, and if you don't believe like we do, then we're going to do all kinds of dastardly deeds to you. And that happened for millions of Christians had to deny that. That's the great falling away that was prophesied about in the Bible. The one you're talking about now, for somebody to say, I'm an atheist, they didn't fall away from the truth. They're just saying, I don't believe God. And asked, an agnostic says, I don't know whether I believe in God or not. An atheist, I don't believe in God at all. That's not the falling away that was prophesied about. Now, there are people today that are weak in their faith and things like that. That's where the Bible says we're supposed to be strong and do exploits, and we that understand among the people shall instruct many. We're in the age of enlightenment. We're coming back into what the apostles knew. We're, we're learning all this stuff, and we know the plan of salvation that hadn't been taught for thousands of years. So when you talk about the great falling away, that has already occurred. We're coming out of that now. There are still people that have never been taught the truth. That doesn't mean they fell away from it. They, were, they didn't know it originally. So that's the difference in... And they're claiming to be an atheist now? Okay, so that's not the great falling away, but, I mean, whew, I wouldn't do that for love nor money, huh? So if, okay, so I'll give you number one real quick, uh, is that um, we, I would go to modern nations in the Bible, Daniel chapter 7. When we're sitting on a plane or talking to a lawyer somewhere, whatever, in a, in a waiting room, somebody says, what do you do? And I say, well, I, I specialize in end-time Bible prophecy. And they're like, yeah, right. And they say, prove it. I, I said, we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Prove it. Uh, I say, okay. And I, I've taken atheists through this. And I said, Daniel saw a vision 2,500 years ago of four entities that would be on the earth, four, four nations that would be on the earth just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I said he saw a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a four-headed leopard, and a ten-horned beast. I said, so if you look at national animal symbols today, um, which one would be the lion? And some of them know, some of them don't, and I would say Great Britain. What would the eagle be? And they're like, uh, the United States. And I would say, what would be the bear? I've never said the bear when somebody didn't say Russia. And then uh, I say, and I've had to explain to them what the ten-horned beast is, the Holy Roman Empire revived. Not the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, Holy Roman Empire are two different things. And so I take them to modern nations in the Bible. And when you get through teaching them through that, they're like, 
oh my goodness, I didn't realize. Well, all those prophecies help validate the Word of God. Then when you jump from Daniel 7 to Revelation 13 and show how those things have been federalized into one big world-governing body, people are like, then you start showing them what's going on in the world today. Those two prophecies, that's why they're the first two on our, the, this Bible study you guys are going to go through. They're the first two, modern nations in the Bible and world government forming now. That's what we take people through. Number one, it's a hook. I've got people lock, stock, and barrel. They're like, tell me more. And nine times out of ten, the flight's over by that point. But at, at the end of the day, um, those are the two that we use to validate. And I can validate all prophecy on those two because those are happening right now. Those are current events I can use to prove prophecy and validate the Bible. And I could give you more, but I mean, those, if, you know, if, you, if you can learn those two and John and Daniel were not contemporaries. They lived 650 years apart. So John didn't talk to Daniel and say, okay, now what do you mean by that? Because I'm going to write something here. No, no, they never talked to each other. God wrote the Bible and they, they lived. Daniel was in Babylonian captivity when he wrote Daniel and John was on the Isle of Patmos. They never met each other, but yet their stories, their prophecies coincide perfectly. Those are the two that we would use. Right. So the six trumpet war, you understand that the seven, there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials of the wrath of God in the book of Revelation. Um, the sixth trumpet war, the first five trumpets have already occurred. Okay. Um, a lot of people say all oh, the, the seals, trumpets, and vials have to occur during the final seven years. That is not true. They don't understand the segmentation of the book of Revelation. The first five trumpets have already occurred. Okay. The sixth trumpet one on God's prophetic timeline, that and the peace agreement are the next two. The six trumpet wars found in Revelation chapter uh, 9, verse 13 through 21, and it describes a war that will, that will emanate out of the Middle East region uh, in the Euphrates River region. The Bible says, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. The, the great river Euphrates is housed in Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. The Bible says, Loose those four angels which are bound in that river, those four nations, and four to kill one-third the part of mankind. Not one-third the part involved in that war. One-third the part of all of mankind. Look at all the translations. I've looked through 20 translations. And they'll say one-third the part of all of mankind. I mean, and so one-third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. World War I, you had uh, 8.2, 8.3 million killed. World War, World War I, World War II, 50, about 52 million, just over 50 million. And World War III is going to be... Uh, 2.4 to 2.5 billion with current population numbers. I don't even like to talk about it. To, for me to think, I've, I've never been through a world war. It, world war ended in 1945, World War II. So World War III, you're looking at um, one-third of the world's population being destroyed. It's the, that and the peace agreement. The Bible doesn't say whether the war happens before or after this peace agreement. But I know that they're the next two to be fulfilled, and um, as a result of that, the world's going to the, the war is going to emanate out of that Euphrates River region, and as a result, one third of the world's population is going to be destroyed. That's that would be World War Three. That's why we call it World War Three. Yeah. Okay. So yes, it is. Very good question. The the World War Three and the Battle of Armageddon. There are two major wars prophesied in the near future. World War Three is the Six Trumpet War. That's going to start in the Middle East region and go out around the world. 
because I could kill everybody in the Middle East and wouldn't kill. And I, I, when I say kill, I'm not letting it rolls off my tongue because I talk about this all the time. It gets me sick to my stomach to think about this happening, okay? But there will be, it's going to start there. I could, we could annihilate everybody in the Middle East and it wouldn't come near to 2.3 to 2.45 billion. No way. It's going to have to get into China. It's going to have to get into India. Those are the big population centers. So it's going to start there and it's going to spread out. The Battle of Armageddon starts in the plain of Megiddo in northern Israel. You understand Israel is about 250 miles by about 50 miles wide. Really small. I mean, really small. One-third the size of Indiana. Really small. And so um, the Bible says that the Battle of Armageddon is going to start in the plain of Megiddo in the north of Israel, come down the Jordan Valley and end up in the Kidron Valley in Jerusalem. So it's going to be centralized right there in Israel. The, the world-governing armies, the Bible says, the sixth, sixth uh, vial, the great river Euphrates is dried up to make way for the kings of the east to come down to Israel to battle. So it's going to be centralized right there in Israel. The sixth trumpet war is going to be start in the Euphrates River region and spread out. Two different wars. And the, okay, so the sixth trumpet war, we almost definitely will be. The United States has its hand in every conflict going on in the Middle East, every single one. And so I, I don't like that. I don't think Donald Trump likes it, but we're there. And the, the Battle of Armageddon, we will be involved, but we will be fighting on behalf of Israel at that point. We will not. Okay, now, great question. The Battle of Armageddon, I don't know about the U.S. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we know that the Bible says we will protect Israel for the final three and a half years. But... We could be fighting on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon, but Israel's going to be driven back from the plain of Megiddo. They're going to be driven back all the way to the, to the Kidron Valley, which is between the Temple Mount and the Mount of Olives. And that's where the Lord's going to come back with the saints of heaven to fight on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. It does not mention the United States at that point. It, it appears that during the Sixth Trumpet War that we will sustain casualties as well, pretty heavy casualties. It appears that way. But we'll still be strong enough to fight on behalf of Israel and protect her for that final three and a half years. So right there at the Battle of Armageddon, since the Bible doesn't tell us about America, I can't give you a conclusive answer because I don't want to give you speculation. And then, So I can only teach you what we know. And so it does say we will protect Israel all during the final three and a half years, but when it gets to the Battle of Armageddon, it doesn't mention the United States at all. And so I would love, I would like to believe we fight on behalf of Israel, but Israel's going to look like they're going to be defeated right there at the very end, and that's when God comes back. Yeah, absolutely. The church, the church will be here. The, uh, America will be here, and the church will be here. Uh, and that's, a, you know, that's, we believe in a post-trib rapture. So um, if, if that's what you're asking, is that what you, yeah. So, yeah, we believe the church will be here all the way through. And a lot, I, know, I know most of the quote-unquote Christian community believes in a pre-trib rapture, uh, but we, we, the, I believe the Bible teaches, uh, it's my opinion, Irvin's opinion. Okay, so the, the, there is a final seven-year period. The pre-tribulation, everybody that believes in a pre-tribulation rapture believes the rapture occurs before the final seven years, they're, that they're in heaven for seven years, and that... Uh, they come back with the Lord and that that's the second coming. The mid-trib, okay, so any, there's no such thing really as a mid-trib. People say they believe that, but that would be people, the, the tribulation only lasts the final three and a half years. The, 
Everybody who believes in a pre-tribulation rapture believes that the, the tribulation lasts seven years. It does not. There are, seven, there are many scriptures that say the, the tribulation only lasts three and a half years. It says 1,260 days, 42 months, time, times, and half a time. It's only the final three and a half years. There is a final seven-year period, but the Antichrist isn't even revealed until the middle part, the abomination of desolation. That's when Jesus said the great tribulation would begin. So, um, you know, that's kind of, uh, and we believe, the Bible said Jesus, uh, Jesus told us in Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days, would the Son of Man be revealed? He will send His angels to gather His elect. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the elect there is not the Jews. The elect in the New Testament is the church every time. And the elect in the Old Testament were the Jews. But the elect in the New Testament were the church, which was a mixed Jewish-Gentile entity. Uh, Jews can be saved today. The church, we, I don't believe in replacement theology. So at the end of the day, Jews can be saved today just like Gentiles will be able to be saved during the Great Tribulation. Even though the Bible says the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled, we can still be saved into that era. The Bible says the greatest time of, and this would be my last one, the greatest time of, the greatest time of revival is coming, Revelation chapter 7. You can read it. It talks about the 144,000. And then John said, I turned and looked, and behold, a multitude that no man could number. And the, the elder looked at John out of every kindred, tongue, and nation from everywhere, not just Jews. And John said, the elder looked at John and said, where these guys come from? And John said, I don't know, thou knowest. And the elder said, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed themselves, made themselves white in the blood of the lamb. They washed their robes. And so the greatest time of revival is ahead of us. But I'm not promised tomorrow. So I can't say, well, I'll just wait till that revival and then I'll jump in. I've had people tell me for years, once they start building that third temple, I'm going to get ready. No, no. The Bible specifically says this is the day of salvation. So if you've got an opportunity to be saved today, which Jordan is going to be baptized today, that's what we're doing. So um, anyway, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Brother Coon come and dismiss us in prayer, and we're going to be baptizing Jordan here. And so I do thank you all for coming, and I would implore you. If I had a way to put a ball and chain on you, I would do that. Because, and you would be here starting March the 12th for these Bible studies because, again, you think, well, I've got a lot of good information from this meeting. I've covered the tip top, the, the treetops of this. This goes way deep into they want to control the amount of times you flush your toilet. You'd think I'm kidding. They do. And the, everything, the amount of food you eat, they want to curb that. You're, you're getting a little chunky, so you need to kind of back off a little bit. They are people that want to control that. Elitist. I'm one of them. <laughs> they want to control how much I eat. I mean, seriously, that, that's where they're getting. They, they're control freaks to the nth degree, and some of their, they're, they're some of the most educated minds on the planet. So they're not just coming at this from, let's just you know, sit around a card table and think up something cool. Uh-uh. There have been decades and decades and decades of planning that have went into all of this, and they're doing it right under your nose. They own the media. So the media gives you a spin. That's what I'm saying. If you're getting your news just from CNN and all that, well, you're walking around in a fog. You think you know it, but you're walking around in a fog. So, uh, yes, ma'am. Just really quick, when you said it had the rapture was completed, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you. Yeah, uh, so yeah, endtime.com, you can go there, and we've got all kinds of uh, videos. We do, we do, we're on live radio broadcast every day, and it's archived on endtime.com. Um, so yeah, so we'll have Brother Coon come and dismiss us. 
I do want to thank the Coons again for having us. Uh, thank you. Uh, let's give them a hand. Uh, thank you very much. Um, because uh, without them, this meeting doesn't happen. And so I'm thankful that they're in this area and they're willing to open up their church to have us come uh, because you guys, this stuff is so important. You've got to know this stuff uh, going off into the end time. So God bless you all. And uh, I, I hope to meet you before you leave, but I'm going to be baptizing Jordan here in just a second. And so hopefully you can hang around for that. And uh, Brother Kuhn, thank you. God bless. <clears throat>